This morning, we're talking about Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We've been in, in the book of Ephesians. This has been a passage I've been excited about since we started this series. It's got some really, really famous verses in it. One of the more well-known sets of verses of all of Paul's letters throughout the New Testament. Today, we're talking about how we, you see it on the screen there, are God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece. So we get ready to dive in this morning. I want, to ref- I want us to reflect on this one thought. I know I've got it on the screen for you, and that's this. Salvation is a gift, and a masterpiece is the result. We're going to leave that up there, uh, write it down or something as we kind of we go through what we talked about last week because it sets the table for this week's. Salvation is a gift, and a masterpiece is the result. I want that thought to simmer in our hearts as we do this. Let's remember just quickly these verses that preceded Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It's especially important this week because these three verses are not a new section. A lot of times we'll take it by sections in your Bible. These three verses are not a new section. They're part of the preceding seven verses, but there's so much in there that we saved them for their own week. So this is continuation of last week. Last week we talked about Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, how we are made alive in Christ. We're made alive in Christ. We talked about how everything is made to do something. Even inanimate objects, they're made to do something. We talked about the table and my shoes and the chairs just sitting and everything is made to do something. We briefly played with a remote control car. Came up with a reason to drive a remote control car in church. If you're curious, you'll have to go watch the video or listen to the podcast. Um, we talked about how in order for that car to be made alive, it needed to have its four, AAA, four AA batteries. Without those, it was dead. Without those batteries, it could not do what it was made to do. And it was called the turbo tumbler. So what it's made to do is go fast and tumble around. Can't do those things without the batteries inside it. We talked about two main ideas. One of those was that without Christ, we're dead. Full stop. If we don't have Jesus in our hearts spiritually, we're dead. Not just mostly dead, as Miracle Max from Princess Bride says, but completely dead. And we can't be what God made us to be until we are made alive in Christ. Yes, we were dead, but by the grace of God, if we know Christ, we now are alive. Yeah. We are alive because of his great love for us, because he saw fit to rescue us when we were dead in our sin. And when God raises our hearts to life, using the same power he used to raise his son Jesus to life, we have power over the plans and the schemes of this enemy. Uh, Ephesians calls it the prince, of, he's the prince of the air. That brings us to these three wonderful, powerful verses we're about to read together. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. They're on the screen. I'm reading it in the NIV. Let's read these three verses together. For it is by grace you have been saved. When it comes to our life in Christ, is built on. Everything our life in Christ is built on the fact that grace is a gift from God. And if we don't grasp that grace is the only thing that can save us, we'll spin our wheels when it comes to our relationship with God, right? That expression, spin our wheels, means you're stuck. And no matter how hard you hit the gas, you can't move anywhere. And we will be stuck when it comes to our heart, to our relationship with God, if we don't grasp that grace, God's divine grace, is the only thing that can save us. God has incredible, magnificent plans for all of us when we accept him and serve him. Plans beyond what we could ask or imagine, the Bible says, but without this peace, we don't taste and see everything that God has for us. 
Now, when we say something is fundamental, it means we have to learn that thing if we're going to go any farther. All right, in our lives, in our jobs, the things we love to do, there's fundamentals that we have to know. As an illustration, I can think of a couple of things that are affecting my life greatly during this time of year. One of those is math. I mentioned before, it's not really something that I love, but math affects me this time of year. I did just fine in school in math, but when it got to a more advanced stuff, my attention span just got short real quick. I was just not, not interested. <laughs> um, I've seen some of you in this place like do incredible math in your head already. We're constantly, though, we're getting emails from our kids' school. They're six and eight. And worksheets sent home, and they're saying, you need to do extra practice in fundamentals of math for your kids. Basic addition, basic, basic subtraction, basic multiplication, division. Some of you are like, yeah, that was a long time ago. I barely remember. Yeah, I feel you going through these things with my kids. But these are math fundamentals. And the reason it affects my life right now is because my wife does math for a living. My wife is an accountant. Right? And if you know anything about, she's in here. I didn't know if you'd been here today, dear, or not. But if you know anything about that profession, you know that accountants, this time of year, January 15th, April 15th, they work as many hours as they can stand it. She worked last night until she couldn't work anymore. She'll work today until she can't work anymore. And she'll do that every day all the way up till April 15th. Now, the firm Shonda works for is a huge blessing. There's believers that run it, and she's part of that team. But even though I don't understand the math that she's doing in most cases, at least not very easily. She does try to explain it to me sometime, and I try not to let my eyes glaze over too much. <laughs> Even though I don't understand it, I do have an appreciation for the depth of it, right? I see her work sometimes, and I can see how quickly she can do complicated stuff. As an example, earlier this year, as we were getting ready for the annual business meeting in the new year, she was helping me make a budget for the church this year, and she was in this program called Excel. Anybody use Excel? Here, anybody love Excel? Patrick loves Excel. I love to see it. I, I never was a big Excel guy, but what she can do, she can put these numbers in there and use formulas, right? And she was moving so fast. She was slamming numbers in there with her right hand because it was a tanky, right? She was slamming numbers in there, pushing answer, doing equations, right? And I literally had to say, slow down. Look, I really, I can't tell what you just typed. I can't tell what you just said. It's moving too fast for me. She does these incredibly complicated formulas in Microsoft Excel, but if she didn't understand the fundamental math behind them, those formulas would be useless. She's got to understand 2 plus 2 equals 4. 4 times 4 equals 16. I better not do any more math in front of you or I'll get something wrong. <laughs> but she's got to under understand all that stuff or all those complicated formulas in Excel. All that work she does, she wouldn't be able to do it. Because she does understand the fundamentals, she can accomplish a massively complicated job at a really high level. Now, for those of you who turned your ears off when I said the word math, you can turn them, on back, turn them back on now. And let's talk about something that also uses fundamentals. A little more interesting and more fun, to me at least, and that is baseball. Yeah. Now, if you are a baseball fan, uh, you know that fundamentals are involved, right? This is the second thing I think of right now. It's affecting my life because, because I like it, but also because John Four, our oldest son, he just started baseball practice. He's eight years old, so he's learning a baseball practice, you guessed it, he's learning the fundamentals of baseball. Now, baseball, more than any other sport, it has all kinds of intricate little rules and situations. And that's what they're teaching these eight-year-olds is the basic stuff. 
I'll just give you a quick example here, the fundamentals you got to know. So baseball, if you hit a foul ball, it's a strike. Unless you have two strikes, then it's not a strike. But you can still get out if someone catches the foul ball, even if you have two strikes. If you foul tip it into the catcher's glove, it is an out. If it goes straight into the glove, it's a strikeout. If it doesn't go straight into the glove, then it's not a strikeout. It just counts as a regular out. Right, that's a fundamental of baseball, right? And baseball has dozens, if not hundreds, of situations like that. But here's the crazy part, okay? My favorite major league team, the Dodgers, they just signed a player to a contract, uh, Freddie Freeman, worth $162 million. Guy's getting $162 million to play first base for the Dodgers. Yeah, wow. (laughs) But here's the thing. The guy never signs a contract or makes it that far if he doesn't learn the fundamentals. If he doesn't learn when he's eight years old, that when you got two strikes, a foul ball doesn't get you out. But a foul tip counts as an out. If he doesn't learn all of that stuff when he's eight, he doesn't get to sign the contract for $162 million. See, the fundamentals matter. And when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, one of the absolute fundamental things we've got to know is that grace is the only thing that can save us. Nothing else. It's the only thing that can save you if today is the first time, maybe the first time in a long time you've ever set foot in a church, it's the only thing that can save you. All of us in this room have probably heard of Billy Graham, probably the greatest evangelist of all time. It's the only thing that could save Billy Graham. This guy, uh, Greg Laurie, who's coming to do the Boise Harvest Crusade, it's the only thing that can save Greg Laurie. It's the only thing. So we spend our days serving God. We do indeed, we apply those fundamentals the truth each day, and we discover more and more of what God has for us. But that fundamental truth is what guides us. But there's even a little bit more to it, because there's more to that verse, right? It is indeed by grace that we have been saved. And this next part is just as important. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. There's something awesome here that we fail to realize sometimes. God's grace itself is a gift. We talk about this with the men's Sunday school this morning. But the faith to believe it is also a gift. God's grace is a gift that he can only give to us. And the faith to believe it is also a gift. And only he can give that to us. We sometimes have this misconception that faith has to do with us. The grace part is God's and the faith part is ours. When in fact it says here that both the grace and the faith to accept it are gifts from God. We talked some about it in previous weeks, but one of the things that happens when we accept that grace, we place our faith in Christ, is that we become children of God. We literally become part of God's family. I love the way that John chapter 1 puts it. And this is one of the places we get uh, this language of accepting Christ, right? When someone uh, gives their life over to the Lord, we call it accepting Christ. The disciple John is talking here about Jesus, and he says in John 1, 12, This is the New Living Translation I'm reading you. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, we have to understand this morning, March 2022 at Engage Boise, your grace, you see, grace is not work that we do. Faith is not work that we do. Salvation in Jesus is not work that we do. Grace, faith, and salvation itself are exactly what the end of verse 8 says they are. They are the gift of God. And what do you do with a gift? You can accept the gift or you can deny the gift. 
Now, the concept of a gift is something that we are all familiar with. But if there's a gift that is given to us, but if we pick it out and we pay for it ourselves, is it really a gift? Some of us are professionals at uh, giving ourselves gifts, right? (laughs) It can be a nice thing. You can get yourself a nice thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at that point, if you pay for it yourself, give it to yourself, it ceases to become a gift. Gift is something that comes from someone else, and you have to choose to accept it. And friends, we need to understand this this morning. Salvation is not a transaction where we provide faith and then God provides grace. He gives us all of it. The reality is that both grace and faith are a gift from God. God graciously gives us the faith to accept the grace. And somehow it beautifully and mysteriously all works together inside of our hearts. You see, on our way to becoming God's masterpiece, we've got to understand that the most fundamental aspect about our state here on this earth is that grace is the only thing that can save us. God gives it to us. Out of this verse is stuff that's absolutely vital to the Christian faith. And logic tells us that if we just had this really important fundamental verse, that something really important should come next. And it does. But it might be a little bit different than you expect. Verse 8 tells us grace is the only thing that saves to become God's masterpiece, we've got to have that grace. Verse 9 tells us this, we can't take credit for it. Grace comes from God, it's the only place it comes from, and we can't take credit for it. Verse 9, very simply, not by works, so that no one can boast. Not by works, so that no one can boast. There's only one thing that God is saying in this verse to the Apostle Paul, and that is that grace and faith and salvation, they're 100% the work of God, 0% our work. I think this idea is like paradigm shifting because it runs completely counter to the way that our culture works and to the way that we are wired. Most of us here have accepted the Lord. We would say we have salvation And God is saying to us, that incredible thing that changes your life down into your inmost being, there's no way you can take credit for it. You can't get it on your own. God made every one of us a certain way that we put this thing in us where we try to work for what we have. And it can be, this concept can be hard for us to understand as humans because I think one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to tell us that we have to earn God's goodness. One of the greatest tricks of Satan is to say, you better clean yourself up before you go to church because God can't accept you until you you look better than you do. Greatest lie of the enemy is that we have to clean ourselves up so that God's grace can do its redeeming work. The thing is, anything else in our life, we do earn, right? Everything that happens to each one of us uh, is likely a direct result of choices we've made. Good, bad, ugly, everything in between, We earn most everything we get. Most of us, we receive a paycheck every couple weeks or maybe once a month. Maybe you do in here, maybe you're an artist, right? And you do some type of work where you're compensated each time you do something uh, per song or per painting or, or per whatever. But we are used to being able to tangibly take credit for what we do each day, right? We say, we write down on our timesheet, I worked a certain amount of hours, I get paid X amount of dollars, I know how much my paycheck's gonna be. There's a a big concept here that we'll tackle another time, and that is that everything comes from God, even the stuff we work to earn. And we're just stewards of it on this earth. God has given us every good gift, and we're just stewards of it. But this idea that we earn what we get, it's just baked into us. 
Even at the end of our lives, right, we can look back and we can see everything that we've accomplished. For many of you, just the beautiful family that, that you've raised. Maybe the retirement you saved up or the house you've bought to pass, in, pass down to your kids. Those aren't bad things. But to be honest, our culture has taken this a little farther than is healthy in many ways, as often happens with good things. And sometimes, I think it's very tempting for us to place the focus on ourselves. You know what the most popular site on the internet is called? YouTube. We all carry around these cell phones, right? That's why mine's up here, just so I can show it to you. Many of us have one called an iPhone. One of the devices that completely changed the world was called the iPod. Anybody have an original iPod where you could just like put songs on it? It's amazing. Even the names of these things that we use every day, they tempt us to take our belief in ourselves farther than we should. To take credit for the goodness in our lives instead of giving God the credit to say, hey, look what I've done. But this is counter to the very basis of the gospel and it's summed up in these eight powerful words that you see in your Bible. They're not by works so that no one can boast. Friends, we need to know this morning that grace has nothing to do with our worthiness and everything to do with God's kindness. Everything to do with God's kindness. Once again, this is counter to the way humans have always looked at things. Even God's people in the Old Testament, right, who he mapped out this process for, they thought that they could follow the rules well enough that God had to love them. Right? That they thought they could do that. And even the New Testament, after Jesus came, died, rose again, there was people ferociously holding on to that belief. And Paul, who wrote this book, had been one of those guys until he encountered Jesus. And it's easy for all of us to fall into the same idea in our busy modern lives when we get on YouTube and we use our iPhone. Because in life, you can work hard enough to get a promotion. You can go to work, work hard enough, your boss can notice, and you can get a promotion. In life, if God has given you a gift, you can practice enough to be good at it. That's possible to do. In life, you can even be talented enough to earn the adoration of others. But we can't work hard enough, practice long enough, or be talented enough to earn the grace of God. F.F. Bruce, this writer that I, I read some of his books, he says this, where divine grace operates, human merit is excluded. As a corollary, Paul says something that helps us in our understanding of this in 1 Corinthians. He's quoting the prophet Jeremiah, and you've probably heard this before. 1 Corinthians one thirty one. he says this, Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. If our hearts are in line with what God is speaking, then we understand that the only one who deserves any credit for rescuing our hearts from the grave is Jesus himself. If we're going to boast and we boast in Jesus himself. And if we do that, we're going to be able to point people straight to God's grace when they notice good or they notice blessings in our life. Because it's not that there's nothing good, it's just that it all comes from God. Another author, Tony Meriden, he says in his book about the Ephesians, God in his grace sent Christ to live the life we could not live, die the death we should have died, and rise on our behalf. Died the death we should have died rose on our behalf. 
As New Living Translation says in verse 8, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. So grace is the only thing that can save us. We can't take credit for it, even when it does save us. And when we understand those two things, we can know this, that God makes us a masterpiece. God makes us a masterpiece. Verse 10 tells us this, if you have your Bible still, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And there's a lot in there. The New Living Translation and several others actually use the word masterpiece instead of workmanship. But here's the interesting thing. I shared this with the worship team this morning. The Greek word that is translated workmanship or masterpiece here is poema, P-O-I-E-M-A. And it probably is actually the word that we get our word poem from. So we can see where Paul is going with this. That we are literally God's work of art. That word workmanship means something like poem, for we are God's art. When you think of a masterpiece or anything that someone has created, there's something really important that you've got to understand, even if it's the most famous masterpiece everywhere or anywhere. And that is something that's always amazed me when it comes to great works of art. Because at the beginning of every masterpiece is a blank canvas. The beginning of every poem is a blank sheet of paper. They all start with nothing. The canvas itself is not what creates the work of art. The paper itself is not what creates the poem. You see, when it comes to the masterpiece, it's the heart of the creator that makes the end result magnificent. The heart of the creator is what makes the things amazing. The canvas always starts out blank. And when most of us would have seen a blank canvas or a blank paper or just a block of marble, the great artists in history, they saw a work of art. You've probably heard of the Sistine Chapel, right? When everyone else saw a common building, Michelangelo saw the work of art that eventually became the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Now, someone commissioned him to do that. They wanted him to do it, but they couldn't envision it themselves. He could. The roof of the Sistine Chapel is the size of a regulation basketball court. It took Michelangelo seven years to create this thing. It's considered by some to be the most magnificent work of art in history. Something else we need to understand is that, though, is that every masterpiece is not the same. Every amazing thing is not the same. Art is a really good example, actually, because there are works of art probably hundreds of them that are worth untold amounts of money, right? You go Google it, and you can read about an art auction where, uh, you know, someone pays a million dollars for a painting. It's been proven that the things are worth that much money because people actually pay the money, right? Now, for me personally, if I had that kind of money, I don't think I'd spend it on a picture, like any picture. (laughs) I'd probably go take another picture and, and have it be 80% as good, right? And <laughs> just get a cheaper one. Because the art doesn't move me like it moves an art collector. I'm going somewhere with this. The art doesn't move me like it moves an art collector. There might be some of you in here who can see a famous painting and see the artistry in it. I see a painting. It's worth a lot of money, so be real careful. If I did have that kind of money, though, you know what I would do is I might spend it on a 72 Telecaster Deluxe. That's a guitar, by the way, if you, if you don't know those terms. 
Not one of the reissues. I had a reissue. I'd probably buy one of the real ones, which are like $5,000. Or maybe I would uh, buy myself a game-used baseball from the 1988 World Series. My favorite player, Orr pitched. And I'd put it on my desk. And I'd probably try to keep my boys from not grabbing it every day when they came in. <laughs> That's what I would do if I had that kind of money. But you get what I'm saying, right? Not everything moves everyone. All of us are moved by something, though. But here is the wild part. To God, every single one of us is a priceless masterpiece. The business person and the poet, the parent and the husband and the wife. Every one of us is a masterpiece that moves the heart of God. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter if you're a priceless painting, a baseball, a guitar, somewhere in between. God made you. And you're a masterpiece. He's making you into it every day. See, when we understand that grace is the only thing that can save us, and that we can never be good enough to earn it, it's a free gift from God. And we accept that grace like it talks about in John 1. Then something amazing happens. That amazing thing is that God begins to mold us and make us into the masterpiece that only he can see. See, you might feel like when you walked into this place, you're a mess, but God sees a masterpiece. You might feel like you're barely surviving every day, but God sees a masterpiece. That's what this next part of verse 10 means uh, when it says this. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. They were prepared in advance for us to do. Now, we aren't reversing course and saying that we have to do good things to receive salvation. We're saying that the root of our salvation is the grace of God that we can't turn, and the fruit of that salvation is life that looks different than it did before. The fruit of life that's given to God, it looks different. Now, the natural inclination of anyone who knows Jesus truly is to live in a way that honors him. If you know Jesus, your life's going to look different. When we accept Christ, we talk about this in chapter one, the Holy Spirit, it begins to do its regenerating work in all of us. Make us more like Christ. And the creation of the masterpiece begins to happen. For our final scripture this morning, we should be reminded what Philippians 1.6 tells us. And this is also Paul writing. Paul wrote this, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I believe this is the purpose for today, friends. I believe that God wants you to know that he's not done with you. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how, how, how many mistakes you have made, God is not done with you. You're his masterpiece. You're his work of art that he saw and he designed from the beginning. No matter how sideways you may have gotten, he still sees the masterpiece. If you've accepted that grace that we talked about earlier and you're doing your best to give all the honor and glory to God each day, then he is working on you. You might not be a finished product, product and in fact, you probably aren't, but he's working on you minute by minute. Hour by hour, day by day, month by month, year by year, he's working on you. It might not be pleasant all the time. You know, God might sometimes get his chisel out, bang away at some of the things that you've held on to kind of tightly for a while. 
It's not always comfortable when God makes the masterpiece. But the more we lose ourselves in God's plan for us, give God the credit for the blessings we have instead of take credit ourselves, the more that masterpiece begins to show. And know this, friends, if you're still breathing, he's still working on you. If you're still alive, if your heart's beating, if you woke up this morning, God's not done with you. Would you close your eyes? By your heads, close your eyes across this place. We're almost done, and we'll sing for a moment. I believe God's been speaking to us since, since service started this morning. And I just want to give you a chance to respond in a couple of ways just by raising your hands so we can pray together. But um, no, it's a challenge for me every day to not try and do life, do salvation on my own, prove to God that I'm good enough for his grace. And I'm wondering if there's anyone else in here that struggles with that same thing. If that's you today, uh, would you just raise your hand so I can agree with you and pray with you? It's okay to raise your hand. We'll pray together. Thank you. It's good. Also, I believe... uh, I was just reading over this last night that this is the last thing that we needed to say before we prayed, and that's this. If you're here this morning, and no one's looking around, just me, so I can pray over you. Uh, maybe you feel like uh, you've made too many mistakes. Uh, you've gone so far that God finds you, and you feel like, yeah, I may say that I'm a masterpiece, but I don't think God can make anything out of the mess I've made. If that's you, This morning, friends, would you just raise your hand if you feel like you've gone too far and you feel like God can't redeem it and he can't make a masterpiece? Would you raise your hand this morning and I'll just pray over you? Awesome. Thank you. Before we stand and sing, I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that is alive and sharp as a two-edged sword. Thank you that you know us inside and out. Lord, I pray for those in this place who, like me, They're so tempted to try and do things on their own strength. To prove to you that we can be worthy of the good things you've given us. Uh, Pray for those in this place that are wired like me. uh, Lord, that you uh, would help us each to flip the way we think about it. And understand that grace comes from you. And there's nothing we can do to earn it. Not by works so that no one can boast. And because I can't take credit for it, Lord, I can rest in what you've done for me, which is forgive me of my sin. Make my heart white as snow. Lord, I pray for those in this place who, uh, if they're honest, they would say that they feel like they've done stuff you can't forgive. That maybe you were working on them a while ago, but they feel like you haven't for a while. Lord, I pray this morning that they'd feel your presence as we prepare to sing in a moment. Lord, I pray that you would uh, get your tools out and you would begin to, to poke and prod and chisel, do the things that only you can do. Would you help every single person in this place know, just as it's written down in Ephesians, Lord, that we are a work of art that you made. Others may see a blank canvas, but you see a work of art where your workmanship, your masterpiece. Would you let every single person in this place know, Lord, as we prepare to sing, that you are not done with us, You've got plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Give us a hope and a future. Lord, I pray, even as we sing in this next couple of minutes, that you would give new faith, a new grace.
pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus.